This New America NYC event took place on November 8, 2017, and is entitled 500 Years, a Social Cinema Screening. This event features Pamela Yates, Monica Alleman Cunningham, and Andrea X. Chu. Thank you, Beth, and thank you, Social Cinema and New America NYC, and of course, Tumblr. Uh, it's such an honor to be able to show 500 Years to You in this space on this big screen. I first went to Guatemala in 1982. I really went there to investigate the role that the United States had played in destroying democracy there and in ushering in a legacy of brutal military dictatorships. And when I got there, the country was in the midst of a civil war. And I found that the people who had the most interesting ideas for structural change, the people who were the most active, the people who were the most innovative, were the Mayans. And so When the Mountains Tremble is really told from a Mayan perspective, with Rigoberta Menchu telling her story directly to the camera. Parts of that film were used as forensic evidence many, many, many years later in the trial of Efraim Briosmont, which we're going to see tonight. Uh, most of the people in 500 years I met during the time when I heard that he was going to be tried for genocide and crimes against humanity in Guatemala, and I knew I had to film it. I knew I had to film it not only because of my connection to Guatemala, and my, um, I always felt that I had a responsibility as an American citizen to bring out the story of what American foreign policy had wrought in Guatemala back to the United States, but also because it was going to be the first trial for genocide against indigenous people, um, the first trial against a perpetrator of genocide who had committed this crime against indigenous people anywhere in the world. So this small country in Guatemala was going to build a case, um, and they built it over 13 years. It was a brilliant case and they put him on trial in the country where the crimes had taken place. 500 years is really an epic story of uh, resistance with all of the triumphs and all of the setbacks that that entails. The Mayans of Guatemala have really been at the forefront in the struggle for human rights and indigenous rights. And they've been a model for um, all of us uh, to make this planet a more sustainable one worldwide. The women and men in the film really guided us. It was a highly collaborative process. They really guided us in the telling of the story. So without further ado, we're going to see the film, and we welcome your questions and your comments, and I'll be in conversation with Monica and Andrea afterwards. Thank you again for coming. I'm going to start everything off, just kick everything off. You know, as many of you know who make documentary films, the story starts before we begin filming, and the story continues after we stop filming. And in this case of 500 years, the story has continued in earnest in Guatemala. And there have been some very disturbing developments there today where there's a national strike. So I wanted to first ask Andrea if you would sort of bring the thread, the through line, from the end of 500 years to what's happening now and the developments of today. Good night, everyone. I am really happy that you are here and sharing this space with us. Well, basically, when 500 years uh, finished, 
they're filming. The, this, the history continues, and the, the end of this documentary was the beginning of a movement in Guatemala. And it's basically the movement against corruption and impunity. And uh, sadly for us today, it took their first two victims. Two peasants from the organization named Codeca, which is basically the peasant organization for peasant development, were murdered today during a national strike. Today. Today. Since yesterday, we have been into a national strike because our current president, Jimmy Morales, has been linked by the CICIG, the Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala, in corruption scandals three months ago. So since that day, we have been doing protests all around the country to ask for his resignation. And yesterday, this peasant organization began a national strike, as the one as you saw in the film. But sadly, today, two of the members of this organization were murdered. And this is for us one of the most shocking experiences during these peace times, because Guatemala just celebrated 20 years of peace agreements, but we still see in these violations against human rights of indigenous organizations. So tonight I want to honor the memory of the two members of CODECA that had been murdered, Don Victor de Leon and Don Cristobal Perez, because they were struggling and also doing a public movement for asking the end of the corruption and impunity in Guatemala. Since 1954, with the help of the U.S. government, their economical elite and the military elite build an empire of corruption. And this empire of corruption had led our government and all our public institutions since then. And we are fighting to end that legacy of impunity, of murdering, of corruption. And today, that movement took two persons. So for me, it's something that is shocking, but also it's a message for us, not just in Guatemala, all around the world, that the struggle that we are doing to change the face of racism, fascism, impunity and corruption is not going to be an easy path. And it's conviction and commitment. Because the struggle that we are involved in demands our heart, demands our love, and demands our dreams to build a different society. One society that needs to keep the lives of two persons to keep on going. We need to stop the murders of human rights defenders. And that's something that I needed to share tonight because I, I am really sorrow, but also really anger with my government, but also with the people that is supporting the corrupts and that is taking the lives of the indigenous peasants that were murdered today. So thank you, Pam. Th thank you, Andrea. Um, I wanted to build on that with Monica, because I know that you have worked all over the world, and that you are originally from Nicaragua, and that you are the director of a very, an organization, Muy Querida, here in New York called Madre. Um, what do you think that the Guatemalan experience, especially the indigenous experience and the women leading these kinds of movements, has to say to the rest of the world? And how can these movements unite, do you think? Well, first of all, thank you very much for, for this production. And thank you very much for, for bringing back to our collective memory the struggles of Central America and the struggle of Guatemala in particular. Because I think sometimes we take for granted what 
a peace agreement can deliver. And we tend to forget that there is work that needs to take place after that. Uh, we, without realizing that perhaps justice was never realized in those countries. And obviously, without really fully realizing justice, you will never achieve peace, regardless what is signed in that piece of paper. I also want to take a, a moment to honor you and to honor the struggle of indigenous women. It's no small task to stand and to play the role that you are playing today. And it's no small task to do it also within the indigenous people's movement. You know, it's not a movement that is, that is easy to understand or that is easy to navigate. So the courage that is required is admirable. So thank you very much. I am certainly from Nicaragua. I am what I will consider of mixed descendant. So part of my history also has to do with being born in an indigenous community and being part of the indigenous movement um, in Nicaragua. However, today I work for the Ford Foundation um, on, a multi, on, a, on a global initiative. And our work is to be able to accompany the leaders and to accompany the processes that are being, uh, that are being uh, I will say, fought by those leaders. And the way that we are doing is by investing in institutions and strengthening those institutions. So I think that one of the key strategies for us to continue to, to strengthen a global movement is to continue to do what the Ford Foundation is doing investing on those organizations by providing the necessary resources for them to have the flexibility to be able to, to be on the streets, but also to bring forward litigation cases or to produce this kind of material that, create, that creates awareness. And more, more importantly, to create unity between movements and across in different parts of the world. So important, because people always think of foundations giving to and supporting individuals, but actually BUILD is really meant to support organizations, or as Irma Alicia says, the collectives in a community. Um, and why is that focus that way? Well, the how have you developed that? <laughs> how did we come to the realization? I mean, we were able to witness here that it is important to create institutions that act as catalysts in historic moments so that when the opportunity presents, those institutions are ready to take that moment and, and run with it. You know, but, um, but maybe I, I don't want to... The Ford Foundation is a foundation that has always believed in the struggle for social justice. And we have used multiple strategies, and we have a presence in, in 10 different uh, countries in the world, and, and obviously remain very committed. But, um, but I will say the key for us is to be able to understand how institutions are connected to movements. You know, and that's not always easy, because understanding how an institution um, is connected to a movement or to a struggle requires a long time. 
and funding institutions are not always there to stay for a long time. And they're not always there to accompany a process. A lot of funding institutions want to give resources, but they want to see immediate products. They want to see immediate wins. And that's not, that's not, how, that, that's not how changing system works. And I think that's one of the things that we have learned. And, that, and that's why the strategy of going from just investing on individuals or just investing on bright ideas to investing on, on institution is very important to us. But we have learned that after more than 75 years of being in this, in this world. Um, I am interested in knowing from, from your perspective, Andrea, how do you think the Ford Foundation can accompany in a closer way the indigenous movement? We can discuss it later, but <laughs> yeah, well, basically for us, it's really important to talk about uh, responsible sustainability because we have seen all over, in my experience, the 20 year process of peace agreements in Guatemala, that there's always this schedule that is set up by these international committees and foundations that are asking for like projects, you know, and like objectives and results. And uh, for us seeing that the resistance, that the struggle, it's like a daily struggle, but also it's a long way because we are trying to change culture and changing a culture of war into a culture of peace takes generations. So it's not something that you can measure just with numbers. It's something that when you're trying to change social, social communities, it takes generations and you cannot just measure by numbers. You, you will see that when you see the changes in the people's attitudes, in the new ways that they are building movements, you know, of breaking also, and it is a critic inside the social movements. When you are able to build more horizontal organizations than vertical, and we are in like in this row, <laughs> you know, after 20 years of signing our peace agreements in Guatemala, we're like on this. So for us, that's why as generations, we're trying to build our movements or organizations the most horizontal way. But we faced with all these elder organizations, especially these traditional organizations that are led by one charismatic leader, you know, and just giving orders to the rest. So for us, it's, it's not easy, but it's something that is possible. And it's something that is going to help us to change the whole political way to construct society. Not just political parties, it's just about a, a new way to build political movement and not just being an organization like, for example, Occupy Wall Street that is really close to you. That we're trying to change something in the people's mind and social construction, but just one organization for just a small period of time will not be able to reach that. It needs a process for more time of engaging, education, so it will need more tools. So when we talk about how can you help us, there's many ways that you can help us. But it's always in, in the understanding that the things that we are trying to do are not going to be reached just by our generation. For sure, when I'm gonna die, I'm not going to see the biggest changes that I wanna see. But I am really sure that I'm going to be a grain of maize, a grain of corn into that field that will help to build a different society for the next generations, especially for the ones that are being born today. 
because those are the more that I am really aware of. Which world are we heritating to them? We're going to give them a world where they will have no access to water, to have to see the trees, to, to be affected by the impact of the global warming and all the climate change effects. So I am sure that I don't want to give that world to the girls and the women that are getting born today. So that's why we do uh, our efforts to change that in the people's minds, to do not see human beings as the center of the world, just to see us as a part of an ecosystem that needs to be respectful to each other. You know, yes. um, when we were at Sundance together, we premiered this film in, in January last year in Sundance, and uh, five of the women from Guatemala came up to the screening, um, ranging in age from 29 to 70. And um, we premiered the film actually two days after Trump was inaugurated. So when we premiered 500 years, the response of the American audience was like, yes, this kind of resistance really speaks to us. And how are we going to implement that into um, our daily life, our year in and year out life? So we came up, the, all of us together came up with this idea that we would take the three Guatemalan films out into the United States, um, an event we called the Resistance Saga. And, um, and that Andrea and Irma Alicia, who you also met in the film, would come up and not only show the films as a way to talk about um, documentary storytelling as an act of resistance and of collective memory, but also hold a public forum with local groups to help strengthen newly minted activists. And, um, and then we will end the event with Sara Kuducic giving us concert. Sara Kuducic, who sang us through the five-minute credits at the end of the film. And um, I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about that vis-a-vis -vis the, um, the United States and the American audience, because we really think that the Mayans of Guatemala and, and the women and men that you see in the film have a lot to teach us about resistance. Well, we think about the importance to to share our history and our experience of resistance, but also to link it with the indigenous communities in the States. Seeing the Standing Rock movement and the water protectors using their ancient wisdom to defend something that is not just sacred, is sacred, it's just why we are alive. If we don't have water, we don't have anything. Anything works. So for us, it, it is, like a, a natural path to, to, to connect. The, the necessity of building bridges in between the resistance that we're having. And the necessity that we see that you as American citizens and as a political subject needs to be aware of. The, the power that all of you had as, as citizens, the power that all of you as part of this community have, especially being part of this big, big country that have a lot of influence in the political world. So for us, it is really important to, to see and to connect our resistance. And, that, and we are using these three films to engage, to engage in the possibility of resist, in the possibility of connect, in the possibility of organized. That's the most important thing. For us, if we leave, uh, if we leave you inspired to organize and be ready to go back to your community. And we're, when we talk about community, we do not, we not talk about the, your neighbors. We talk about the people you are engaged with. 
the people that when you, with you are creating with. If you are uh, an architect, your community is all the people with you are connecting with. So if you are capable to go back to your community and organize to do something that can help to change the world, we have achieved something. And for us, that's Resistance Saga. It's a way to connect and to show the world the necessity of being organized and also to build collective change. And that's why we are thinking about using the three films that Pam had done, because they are an impressive gift. You can see Guatemala history of 35 years in five hours. That's something, and that's like something magic that just the movies can bring to you. And especially when, when I sit down at the Lincoln Center a few months ago, and I saw the three films of Pamela going in a row, I get a deep understanding of how the corruption network works, how they get there, how they get empowered by US government to get there. And that helped me to understand why it is so important to connect with you as citizens here. Because in your democracy, your voices are more respected than ours in Guatemala. When US citizens speaks, your government, your government needs to listen because you have other ways and your institutions works in really different ways than others. So I think it can be a possibility to engage more citizens, to make and be able to do changes that can change the policy of US around the world. And we really hope that, that we can achieve some successes during that. So that's why we are using the Resistance Saga as a possibility to connect our struggles because we understand how does that feels to have a TV comedian as a president. That's the president that we have right now in Guatemala. So I think we have a lot in common, more than you believe, and that's why we think and we, uh, we are organizing and putting our, all our effort to take these three movies of Pamela, When the Mountains Tremble, Granito, and now 500 Years, like to all the places all around the US that we can because I think there's a lot of things that we can share and a lot of strategies that can be built collectively. We can use our um, experience, but we really know that your local experience is really important and we need to link it to build something new that will help to grow up a social movement here that can achieve a change in the racist way that can be lead in, in this country. And that, that's why we are so engaged to, to do that project and to get involved in what's going on in here. And all of you can be part of this effort because the little papers on your chairs signals the beginning of our Kickstarter campaign for the Resistance Saga. So if you really want to be central to the Resistance Saga and you really want to be informed about everything that's happening in all the cities that we're going to, you know, crowdfunding is really about your granito de arena, your tiny grain of sand. Um, what is it that you can contribute, whether it's one, five, the price of admission to a movie, whatever. We welcome you, and we welcome you into the Resistance Saga community. You know, I wanted to ask both of you about activism, because whenever we show films, people always ask us afterwards, well, what can I do? How can I contribute to change? And, you know, people are not born as full-fledged activists. They actually become activists through a series of experiences. And I wanted to ask you both how your activism changed you. Because I think it's really instructive. <laughs> well, I, I was raised at a time of war in Nicaragua. 
and uh, by the by the age of 10 we were forcibly displaced from the community I was born and my last memory of my childhood was being put on a truck and and leaving that community and I remember looking out the window and looking at the pine trees and and for some reason in the universe, everything else disappeared from my mind. That was the only memory that stayed with me, you know. And, and I, as, if, as much as I try to go back to the other memories of growing up in that village, I was unable to. Still, until this day, I am unable to really you know how people say, well, when I was eight, I remember doing this or watching this or doing that. I am unable to go to that place. I just remember being on that truck and looking and seeing that village disappear. And that really stayed with me, I will say, throughout my life. And then the peace process began in Nicaragua. And I decided at that early age of my life that I wanted to get involved because it was very important for me to try to go back to that village that was the only image I had about my childhood. Um, and I was very involved in, uh, in welcoming and agreeing on the settlement of refugees that were returning to Nicaragua. I will say at all different levels. So for me, I will say, it changed my life, activism, and getting involved in the peace process, and organizing young people, and, and being out on the streets, and using culture and dance uh, as a way of bringing people together, uh, was what gave me the strength to rebuild some of my memory about my childhood, and, and, and began to perhaps give me a sense of of recognition of the identity of who I was and what I wanted to become in the future. So activism was my own way of honoring that identity and honoring that place and honoring that image of living that village. That's a beautiful story, thank you. Well, for me, it, it's something related of where I lived and where I grew up. I since I was a kid, I started doing communication in the TV local station. So I was nine years old, and I remember being invited by the local priest of the Catholic Church to read some stories and some books of uh, liberation theology <laughs> on TV, local TV. And I, get, um, I, I started to have interest um, what's going on in my country. And also my dad and my mom were really part of it, of who I am, because both of them are activists. And I understand that an activist is someone that uses their capabilities, their abilities, their strength, their time to change something that they do not like. And I saw my mother and my dad being, for example, my dad was like a labor leader. My mother was a social worker and a feminist. So I saw them all the time working in the community and I used to accompany them to their activities. So when I started doing all this television thing in the local station, 
I I under I I I figured it out that it was like something natural to me. Like I needed to keep on going on that because there was a lot of awful things happening around me. And then when I was just growing up, I keep on doing the same thing, but talking about different issues. So I start doing and organizing music concerts. I get involved into a punk rock band and I become a drummer. And I start seeing all this all these things about uh, the criminalization of uh, the youth activities and like the conservative minds coming off, out of the young concerts of punk rock saying that the things that we were doing were illegal and it was illegal just playing music outside of a venue. And I started like arguing with the adults about that. So I started like working of, for the right of culture of uh, indigenous people because I realized that we, we need to have spaces to speak up. And I... I still get engaged with communication at that. Because for me, communication is not just being a journalist. Communication is a way of, uh, of moving people's minds. And it can come with dance and music and movies and journals and newspapers and radio and TV. So communication for me is something really big and important. And it's transversal. And it's important to keep reproducing the life. If we do not communicate, we, we, we will not going to evolve. And you see it, the, 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 the cells communicates themselves, your neurons communicate themselves. So communication is really important to keep reproducing the life. And it's a key thing. So for me, it's something really important to be uh, capable to change the world. Communication will help us to change the world because it's going to way we're going to transmit new ideas, to build new identities, and to be new social movements. So for me, it's something really important. And that's why I do and, and focus my activism on that. And I use it with the legal knowledge that I do have uh, to build more consistent messages that can help people to understand the importance of what they are doing and how powerful we are as individuals and how more powerful we are when we are working on collective. I agree. And I'd like to open it up now. We have time for about two questions, two or three questions, right? Activism. Well, I'm a human rights defender, um, and I use filmic storytelling as my tool, just the way that a human rights lawyer would use the law as his or her tool. Um, I use storytelling as a way to uh, illuminate human rights struggles. I've been very fortunate to come of age as a filmmaker in parallel with the growth of the human rights movement worldwide. And the people in that movement, some of whom are here tonight, um, have really inspired me in, in the ways of telling stories. And they've been in the films of the story, that, the stories that I'm trying to tell. And I hope that, and I like to think that the films also help grow the movements. And so we create this virtuous cycle between these things. Um, I also think that there's a um, natural alliance, because many of our films are about human rights, but also the quest for justice. There's a natural alliance with lawyers, because I think lawyers and filmmakers are very similar. You know, we all, are, we all go out and we're looking for the facts. We're looking for the true facts that will tell the story. And the better story we tell, the more we're able to convince an audience or convince the judge and jury and, and win the case, or um, you know, win the, the social change that we're looking for. 
So in that way, um, my you know, relationship with the justice system, the criminal justice system, the International Criminal Court, the Peruvian Truth Commission, have um, really changed me and, and taught me so much about what it means to be an activist. And that you can be an activist, um, you can go on many different paths to activism. And we welcome all those paths. But it is important to be active. So please. Comments or questions for Javier? Thank you. I have a question for Andrea, uh, if I may. So during the movie, we witnessed how the people of Guatemala and the victims and the indigenous peoples mobilized to have uh, General Efrain Rios Montt uh, uh, convicted for genocide. We witnessed how population uh, uh, managed to uh, push, to put popular pressure for, uh, for these decisions that ended in the resignation and imprisonment of, of President Perez Molina. I guess President Morales is not so far away, listening to the news. My question, Andres, was what's next? Because one, one phrase that I heard in the plaza of one of the leaders is uh, uh, overthrowing presidents is the, good, the, the, the easy part and building something new is the difficult part. And all over Latin America, uh, putting presidents into jail is becoming more common and common, right? We're ha we have uh, dozens of pro former presidents facing uh, prosecution or charges or, or imprisonment, but the feeling is that nothing else happens, that uh, the problem is only postponed, that the president become a symbol of, of a larger disease. So we're we are overthrowing only symbols. Uh, so. In your fight, in your reflection, what do you think is next? How to build and not only to overthrow? Well, that's important. When you, when you point about just like changing symbols, I, I, I have to say something. Like the symbols, the language are really powerful. The history of humanity has shown us that who controls the language has the power. And we are still living right now, especially in Latin America, in countries when the, the Roman Empire built a language that we were not able to change. We speak in Spanish and all these Latin languages that came from the same empire. So you can see how powerful language is. So changing symbols can be on a start of something deeper. And building that strategies of changing something deeper needs different strategies. And we need to understand the crisis of the democracy. The crisis of the democracy comes with the construction of political parties that just represent elites. And that's why the indigenous communities, as you saw in the film, had organizations that had been organizing their communities for hundreds of years. I was selected as a tribal leader in 2012 after a massacre occurred and perpetrated against my community. And that tribal organization, which name is 48 Cantones, had resisted since 1492 until 2017. And that's why we have a, a really radical democracy when everybody can be part of that structure, when all of us has the duty to serve 
Because for us, the politics is not to be part of an, of an elite, it's to become a server of your community. So it's another logic. And that's why the indigenous communities of Guatemala, of Peru, of Bolivia, of Ecuador, had resisted the wars, the globalization process, all the construction of the states. We have resisted because we build collective power. So that's why we emphasize so much to talk about the importance of building community and collective power. That's, that's the path. And we are going to be able to change this world just to we get organized and will collective organization, collective power, more horizontal and respect organization with nature and with all the beliefs of people. So when you think what's next, I said we need to get organized and build collective power. Because the way that the modern states were built was just to preserve these imperialistic schemes that we have been following since the Roman Empire. Nothing changed from that until the, the building of the modern states. And that's something that history has shown us. So to change that structures needs a lot of local organization, a lot of local commitment to work in within community. I live in a community that have a forest, a really ancient forest that had held, had give us water for more than 500 years and we are protecting it so we can preserve it. So for the next 500 years, the next generations will have water. So that will mean that we'll still alive. And that's what the thing that we need to think about more. Why, what do we need to change? Power or societies? I am more up to think about social changes than just political changes and to change the way we get govern each other. We need to think about ways we will leave each other. Because a lot of efforts have been put in the ways that people get governed. You know, like the republic, the democracy and stuff. But when we do not think the ways we are going to live in respect with each other, that's when all this civilization crisis begins, when the worlds collide. So that's something that we need to stop, to keep on digging on. It's not an answer. It's, it, it just, I just give you like the questions that I do have. What do we need? To start living in respect with each other or just find new ways to get governed by others? Yes, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Yes, you. you know, I, I'm an accountant, and the idea that an accountant can be an activist is really an oxymoron. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I started counting dead people. And, you know, I think that in a, this modern age, we shouldn't be seeing dead people. We've got the technology, we've got nice people. Why can't we get the thing to run right? Um, how can activism get more leverage? And I would argue part of that is we've got to get the good people in boardrooms to understand what indigenous people have known for 500 years. You know, you know it's not about profit. It's about people first. And then the environment. And then the profit. Without people... What's the point? You know, so my question is, how the heck do we get good boards of directors to pay attention 
to the issues that you're faced with, which is, you know, the mining. You can make a lot of profit being nasty in Guatemala. And it, that's the only thing that accounts in these places. So, so the question do? is, how do you get good people into top places where public policy is being made and policy about how uh, companies are run is being made? Monica. Well, I, I think it takes time um, to get good people in those, in those um, decision-making tables. Um, the indigenous movement has been in existence for a very long time, and a series of strategies have been put in place in, in different parts of the world. At the international level, you know, about 30 to 30 years ago, uh, the indigenous movement decided that one key strategy of putting at least indigenous professionals in certain decision-making spaces was to invest on the education of those indigenous people. You know, and it took about 20 years until there was a concrete uh, or, or a, a good list of individuals that could be placed either within, um, within multilateral organizations or within uh, government institutions or within the private sector so that they will begin to influence. So that was a concrete intervention strategy that was developed by the indigenous movement and it has taken 30 to 40 years. But I think another strategy, and I think that the, the movie alluded to, to that is to think in a deeper way, the ways in which we want to create and build alliances outside of the indigenous world. I think it starts by recognizing that we all have a role to play in, in this society. You know, and I think you were just saying that is, do we, you know, do we want to create a different society or do we want to create a different government? And I think it comes from a place of recognizing the role that even you have as an accountant, you know, I don't have to be in your place of work for you to become a voice for, uh, for indigenous people or for other causes that, that are right there in front of us. The causes don't even need to be far away from us. The causes could be conditions and situations that you are observing in your, in your own work space in your own community, in your own home. So I think it starts by first creating a, a deeper level of dialogue and a deeper level of consciousness that change the behavior of, of us as individuals in the places in where we are operating. Um, I think we have time for one more question. Two more? Just, yes, one, in just the back. one more. In the back, yes. Yeah. Hold on one second for the microphone. Second. Hi, thank you all for being here. Uh, my question to Andrea, are you in touch with other indigenous people movements around the world? You mentioned, you made an example about the uh, Native uh, Americans here and you know that you've been following. So uh, is there a certain entity that maybe you, uh, around like an indigenous, uh, I don't know, conference or something that you can um, cooperate and learn from each other? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and adding, of what Monica said, 
we have created different strategies to being organized and not just to struggle alone and by, by ourselves. We have created different networks all around the world to be connected in between indigenous struggles. I am connected with a network that is uh, here in New York that operates around uh, the um, uh, UN Indigenous Peoples Council. Also, I am a member of the Indigenous and Business and Human Rights Board that is actually happening right now in Geneva when all the indigenous communities travels to Geneva to talk about the relationship with, in, with extractive industries and with companies and human rights all around the world. And we, and, and we have been learning from each other. I had been with indigenous communities from Siberia, from South America, from North America, from Asia, and we face the same racism. So it is really important to be part of a network and that's an, a big strategy to, to, to lobby like in UN and to work right now for a bending treaty to commit business to respect human rights. So it's like a lot of hard challenges because when we are doing this policy, all this lobbying internationally will help us to have legal tools to go to the courts to fight our cases, but also to support our resistance. So I am also part of uh, a lot of Latin American networks of indigenous filmmakers that are documenting the history in present, the, pre the, the history in the making. Because right now we need to have these records. For us, for example, as indigenous communities, we lost all our history books when the Spanish uh, colonization time began. They born, they born all our history records, all our books. So for us, we are making our history right now in the present using technology, using filmmaking, using photography, using music, because we need to keep our memories alive. So when you talk about art and the importance of using art to document your history, when you talk about movies, music and stuff, we are trying to use everything we have around us to keep on going on that. And you can see my young lead, lead singers as, as Sarah building a song about the relationship of the indigenous communities with the art. So we are using all kind of strategies that we can to talk about our history, to, to be in contact with other countries, because it is important. It's a global resistance in a globalized world. And when we have the same economical model ruling all over and extractive in all the communities, depriving all the communities. So it is really important to build not just local, but also a global community. Um, we are also all the time looking for networking for, with new organizations and not just with our indigenous organizations. We talk with peace and organizations, international women's movement, because we are facing the same struggles and we need to, to cooperate, to collaborate and to, to build alliances. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you, Monica. And thank all of you for coming. Thank you for listening to this New America NYC podcast. This recording carries a Creative Commons, non-commercial, 4.0 international license. To learn more about New America, please visit us at newamerica.org.